welcome back to It's a Woman's World, an inclusive space for women and young girls to connect and lift each other up as we hear from inspiring women leaders from all over the world. Joining us today is the founder of Tea Drops, Sashi Chandran. Tea Drops is leading the era of premium convenient loose leaf tea pressed into a single serve drop. A planet-friendly, innovative company, Tea Drops is 15% more sustainable than the traditional tea bag. First off, I just want to say thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to hear your story and how your company was founded and everything else in between. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Gabrielle. I'm really excited. Great. So to start us off, tell us a little bit about your background. What was your journey leading up to founding Tea Drops? Well, I didn't have tea experience or entrepreneurial experience, you could say. I just was someone who really loved the ritual of tea. And um, I grew up with tea really being at the center of my upbringing. My dad was is from Sri Lanka and was born on a tea estate there. And my mom is Chinese. Um, so both of those cultures, you know, loose leaf tea, tea in general, at one time, both those countries were the largest exporters of tea in the world. Um, that was a big influence in my life. And I fell in love with loose leaf tea specifically and just how tea could be this ritual that really connects you to like, for me, it was, you know, connection to my relatives and my grandma and my, on my both sides of the family and, you know, ritual I would have with my mom if I was feeling sick or just catching up after a day of school. So I, I began to associate tea with a lot of warm memories, nostalgic memories. And so that's why this ritual really carried me through my childhood to my teen years to college and adulthood. Um, and then one thing I saw when I was making loose leaf tea at my work desk was that the process to make tea is very cumbersome. You have a lot of steps involved, a lot of different tea paraphernalia, like a kettle strainer, loose leaf tea, your sugar, your milk, all these things. Um, and loose leaf tea, I'm sorry, bag tea never really hit the spot for me. You know, most of tea bags are either made with what's called tea dust. So it's not as aromatic as true tea leaves. And a lot of tea bags on the market are filled with microplastics or they're bleached. So there's another health component concern around tea bags too. So all of that was, you know, floating in my head as I was a young working professional, working in a corporate office environment and really trying to solve a pain point for myself, which was making tea in a convenient way, in a fast way that didn't compromise the quality of loose leaf tea. And that was kind of the genesis for um, having the idea for tea drops. Nice. I really love how you talk about how tea drops is, um, you know, it's close to your heart, it's close to your heritage and culture. I, mm -hmm. myself, I can relate to coming up, coming home after school and my mom making a chai, a cup of chai for yeah. my dad and I. Yeah. And it really is just like a nice bonding experience, um, especially when Indian culture, myself, um, yeah. tea is just something you have every day after <laughs> a long day. And yeah, I love that you found a way to connect your culture into your professional life, because I think in today's world, as immigrants or children, children of immigrants, it's really hard to find that special connection back home. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't ever, you know, it didn't occur to me that that was the case. But just like you were mentioning, having your mom making you and your dad chai after school, it's like, as you get older, you realize, whoa, these were some of, you know, really precious moments, you know, and you start really appreciating 
those types of rituals and, and connection points. Yeah. I think now that I'm in college, I've been finding, I've been struggling, like trying to connect back home and just kind of trying to recreate that comfort I had as a child. And chai was one of like the main things that just really brought me back home and just kind of uh, brings up this sense of nostalgia. And so it's really nice to see that, you know, there's a company like yours that is helping to recreate that kind of feeling that a lot of us have had as uh, kids and now young adults. Yeah, thank you. Um, But talking about your company, what does a typical day in your role look like? And what is the favorite part of your job? Well, no day is the same, and that's what kind of keeps it interesting for me. Uh, you know, I, I worked in other corporate jobs prior to starting this, and I think for me, what became apparent was anything that's monotonous is really challenging for me to stay engaged in. Um, my mind likes to think and solve different problems. So, you know, today, T-Drops is now seven, almost eight years old, which is kind of crazy. Um, so, so we there's just so many different focuses each day. Most of my time is dealing with, you know, how, how we're going to finance the business, um, working on big partnerships or retail deals, um, closing that, you know, investor relations, keeping our investors up to date on what's happening, um, working with our leadership team on just, you know, different areas within operations, sales and marketing, Um, and anywhere that I can help support them is kind of where I spend my day. Nice. So you spend a lot of time trying out different roles and I guess wearing different hats throughout the day. I think something that is really appealing to me about having a business, hopefully I can do that one day, is the fact that you can kind of do a little bit of everything and you get to use or utilize your creative sense or side of um, your brain. So I love that. But if you had to pick one, what would be like the favorite part of your job? Hmm. I think it's just, um, you know, for me, I, to your point of engaging your creative side or creative mind, that's the part that feels more comfortable for me to do. Um, like the creation of different tea flavors or, you know, with art, with tea drops, it's really fun because you, you can use tea drops as the base to really create any type of beverage, whether it's a latte, bubble tea, or iced tea, hot tea. And I like coming up with various tea creations. I mean, it goes back to the origins of why I fell in love with tea in in the first place. Um, But the versatility of of creating beverages and creating content around it um, is something that I find really engaging. And it's almost like when I'm doing it, I, I can really concentrate on it and all the other distractions and everything melts away. So that part, the creative process of that, um, bringing something to life, you know, like bringing an idea to life, whether it's a new type of tea kit or, um, you know, like the license deal, like we do with Hello Kitty, like those types of things of like having an idea for something, working with your team on it and bringing it to life in, in the market is, is just a fun process. Yeah, I can definitely relate to how you're kind of seeing something start from the ground and then building it up all the way into um, maybe a new brand deal or a new tea flavor. I really like that, you know, using creative side is, um, you know, a key point to this business because there's so many tea flavors. There's a lot of marketing and packaging that goes into it. And I can really see how it is like uh, an immersive experience for you. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we talked a little bit about your identity already, but 
you know, how has your identity and heritage shaped the person that you are today and your approach towards leading tea drops? Yeah, I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's it's kind of in hindsight, you realize all of the experiences that you had growing up in your early adulthood that really influenced and made you the person you are and mo- and provided, you know, the that like landscape of motivation of why you do what you do. So for me, you know, both my parent parents were immigrants. I think that in itself really impacts you because you see your parents coming to a country, learning something from the ground up, whether it's the language, the education, the corporate world, and having to navigate that and seeing their struggles. Both my parents, they had traditional jobs, but they also had side hustles. And so I think, you know, they were kind of the first quote unquote entrepreneurs that I ever knew. You know, my mom had a crystal swap meet uh, store. When I say crystal, it wasn't like crystals as we know of it today, like rocks, but like crystal vases and carpe de monte, Mm -hmm. which is like an Italian type of ceramic. Um, and I would be, you know, six or seven years old, helping her in the store, seeing firsthand what trade looked like, you know, that kind of interaction between the buyer and the seller. And my dad um, would go to real estate seminars on the weekends, and um, I would learn more about that and rental income properties. And so I just, I think that really influenced for me, you know, the possibility that was out there that, you know, my parents obviously press education, but also practical learning and encouraging me to get a job early in life. You know, by the time I was 12 or 13, I was working in some capacity. And um, I think that really helps you see all the range of, of, I guess, jobs there are out there of how you can make a living, what people find value in, um, that thrill of creating something and selling it and um, selling it for a profit and and that whole life cycle of the, the sales process, I guess. Um, so all of those those instances just really, I think, influenced me and and seeing that, you know, entrepreneurship is a viable path. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think that was, you know, one one thing that my parents taught me. I think that their backgrounds and struggles as immigrants, um, you know, on one hand, I think it, it it's had both an effect of really appreciating the opportunities that I have um, and also realizing that, you know, um, there, yeah, that there are some limitations that they had that just don't exist for me anymore, um, but also really appreciating the struggle that they had to go through, you know. Um, and seeing how that impacted their their outlook in life and um, and how that in turn, you know, contributed to how they raised us. So there's just a lot of a lot of layers in that. But um, I also just appreciate from a family background, like our all our families like are, are pretty close, and we are we try to live as harmonious as um, in a in a very harmonious way and have you know, good relationships with each other. And I think um, that also is something I really appreciate because when you're going through life in general, things are really challenging and hard. And so to have that type of support system, um, especially in entrepreneurship, I'm very grateful for. And that's something that was instilled in my family early on. 
Yeah, I think that's a very beautiful story about your parents are kind of you know, entrepreneurs themselves. And as a kid, of course, we all know that whatever our parents do and what they believe in and what they pursue is very impactful on who we are and what we'll become as adults. And um, I think it's kind of really beautiful that you're kind of carrying on that entrepreneurial spirit that your parents gave you, especially I can also relate to this as well. Like are my parents coming from India and then immigrating to America and kind of starting a life and for trying to provide an opportunity for my brothers and I to kind of hone our own future and create our own story and legacy here in America. And um, I think as an entrepreneur, as you mentioned, it is really important and instrumental to have that kind of not only drive, but foundation and um, support system that your parents and family have provided to create uh, a successful company and successful image and kind of um, start uh, your own life in America. I, I know I, I've seen from my parents like experience that it isn't, they've faced a lot of challenges and a lot of obstacles being immigrants and uh, minorities in this country. And so whenever I see another um, child of an immigrant, you know, create their own mark in this world, it's very inspiring for me to, um, I guess, kind of do that in my own way one day in the future. Yeah, I have no doubt you will. There's no question. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we talk about the challenges that our parents have faced as immigrants and all the obstacles they face, what are some of the challenges that you've faced um, in the business world and as a woman of color? Yeah, you know, I um, I look back on, on starting the company and um, realize that you know, it, it's hard to distinguish, I think for me, what is inherently challenging because starting any business is very challenging and what is challenging um, because of your gender or because of your you know, ethnicity. I think some of these are, are interwoven together. Um, I don't, I, I've been very lucky that, you know, there, while there's challenges always in starting something, um, I feel the support system I've had, you know, with my family and um, also the openness of the broader food CPG community has been very welcoming. And I've always felt like I could go to this community, ask a question and get the answer I needed. Um, Now, there are certain just realities out there about raising capital and the difficulty there. I think it doesn't matter who you are, raising capital and financing a business is just a challenging endeavor to begin with. And I think, um, you know, there's a stat around there that only 2% of of companies that are, um, or sorry, only 2% of venture capital, uh, or sorry, 2% of women uh, business owners, you know, are successful in obtaining venture capital. And you could look at that stat and you could say like, okay, well, Part of it's a function of there's just less women who start businesses. That is like a true fact. Um, but also, I think in general, you know, women are not educated or groomed in the same way men are in terms of um, accessing certain opportunities, especially in the in the finance realm. And so I think that part of it is, right, retooling yourself as a woman Um kind of getting up to speed with what you need to know, the approach you have to take to, to secure capital. Um, but part of it, you know, is also getting women to be 
more comfortable. And when I think women have a template or see, okay, this person did it and this is how they approached it, someone that kind of looks like them, um, then they have another example of it being possible, whether that's a woman starting a business or another woman investor who's like investing in businesses. Um, because like part of the challenge is that most investors, the the profile, and I don't know the percentages, but most are men. Um, and men fund ideas that they understand. So if they can't understand, you know, certain ideas or they don't really understand like the woman, I don't, I'm just making this up, but like the women's health category and, um, you know, and that's just not their, their terrain. It's not necessarily because they are inherently sexist. It's just like, that's not an area they're comfortable in. So they're not necessarily going to make investments in it. So I think that there's just a lot of um, dynamics here to unpack that it's not just, um, yeah, I think it's 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 partly that you you as a woman, um, if you are going to raise capital and you are going to go a certain route, you have to you have to just retool and re-educate yourself of like what it's going to take to do that. Um, part of it is also just you know being an example yourself and and looking to other examples of people who have paved the way and that you can look up to. Um, I also, I guess, I also want to make a point here too that. Um, I think that, you know, we're in a culture today that focuses a lot on the lack of opportunity sometimes, um, whether that be, you know, noting the the low statistics, statistics around access to capital as a woman or minority, um, you know, women in business stats uh, or le leadership position stats um, or I guess what I'm saying is just like there's a range of of challenges right now in the world, mm -hmm. right? And I think um, it's easy, right, to like get fixated on certain realities that are challenging. Um, but what for me, that's what's worked best is is really trying to help when I can in those instances, but also realizing that you know um, that kind of the best path for me has been to not get distracted by that, but just keep going, you know, to not let a statistic rile me up too much um, to say like, well, I'm still going to go for it. Like even the whole, I knew, I knew the challenge, right? Raising capital, but that's not going to stop me from trying um, and not get too distracted or, or discouraged by certain statistics that you see. Um, because I do believe that if you really want something, um, it's very possible for you to pursue it and achieve it. Right. Yeah, I think what you mentioned about not getting caught up in a statistic is really relevant to today's world. We have so many news outlets and social media, and there's a lot of output of information that uh, I can say for myself, it's easy for me to get bogged down by all the bad news and all the untrue narratives about women and what they can do and what they can't do and what we're not doing. And as I agree with you, when you say that, it's really easy to get bogged down by these, but we have to remind ourselves of, this is what I want to do. This is my passion. So I'm not going to let any statistic define who I am and mm -hmm. what the past, uh, what my past is. And I think that is. And I'll also say, I was actually just like listening to an interview by um, Sarah Blakely, like the founder of Spanx. And mm -hmm. I think that what she's done an amazing job at is really embracing her feminine gifts and her, her, um, she leads from a, from like a, she has a feminine leadership style 
And what does that mean? It means like, I think that there's a misconception for a lot of women that you have to almost mirror, right? Masculinity in a corporate setting or in a boardroom or whatnot. And that is the way that you influence and be taken seriously. And I think that there's a different model and a different option out there, which is really embracing um, the feminine gifts that you've, that women are, are inherently naturally built with, right? That I think um, there's an ability there to lead with compassion, to persuade, um, you know, have, have better persuasion in some cases, um, to use vulnerability to really get to the heart of, of what you need and, and ask for it. And um, yeah, ask for things in a more vulnerable way. And so I think that's a really interesting model to look at um, for women and especially young women, where I think that there's this um, tendency to think that you have to develop certain masculine qualities in order to be taken seriously in the, in the business world. And I would just kind of question that a bit and think about, you know, is there, is there an alternative way to be impactful in the world? Right. I mean, you mentioned examples and how for some women, it is really encouraging and inspiring to see other women raise capital, invest in businesses, or just start their own company. And, um, you know, talking about that feminine leadership, I think the only reason that that isn't, I guess, really normalized is because it's been a long time since we've had uh, enough spotlight on women to be able to handle these positions. There hasn't been enough spotlight on women that are already doing such great work in the business world and beyond. And I, I do, I love that point that you make that um, there, there are different ways to lead a company and it shouldn't be one fixed way. And usually that's the masculine leadership way. And uh, I think for me personally, just being vulnerable and using my emotions I have found is much more true to myself, but also more, I guess, successful and receptive to other people to open up to me. And I think it also makes for a better team and better company and better mission when um, we lead in, an, in a way that's authentic to ourselves, whether yeah. that's feminine for some people or for men, maybe more masculine or in different ways. Yeah. And realizing that you kind of need the balance too, that like, yeah, we wouldn't want a world that's just, just run um, you know, by feminine leadership, just like we don't want a world with just run by masculine leadership. And clearly that has not worked, you know? So, so I think it's coming to that balance, but not rejecting either one, you know? Um, yeah. <clears throat> not saying like, oh, all masculine leadership is bad or all feminine leadership is bad. It's it's really taking the best of the two. And Yeah, I think right now we're finally learning to make space for both types of leadership and both men and women in maybe the same position or same sphere. And it's been a long time. And I feel like it's been a long time since that has happened. And um, I'm kind of hopeful for the future. And yeah. in the future, there will be more women business leaders and more men supporting women to be in those positions. And hopefully there will be a, a great balance in the business world one day. Yeah. But talking about your backstory and how you ended up founding tea drops and you know the point that the point where you are today who has been your biggest inspiration or greatest role model to date ooh that's a hard question because i don't feel i have just one role model um i look to 
I have a view that there's really no difference between, um, you know, your personal life and your work life, everything kind of, you know, intertwines together in a sense, and um, there's fluidity there. And so when I look to leaders, I'm not just looking at leaders in the business space. Um, I look at people of just like how authentically they've lived their lives. Um, and so from just, you know, an overall business standpoint, obviously everyone, and I agree, like, I think Oprah Winfrey is such an amazing example of being true to your authentic self and just watching what that does and how that's received. And um, when you are true to yourself, look at the magnif magnificent gifts that are bestowed in her life and in her career. Mm -hmm. and so I think that's like an amazing example. Um, I also have been really influenced by um, the author, and he's also a businessman named um, Michael Singer. He wrote The Untethered Soul, um, Surrender Experiment, um, using very much spiritual practices on how to approach everyday life and business, um, which is really the essence of it is not letting your personal mind um, and your personal preferences affect you. Um, so every day, you know, we have a range of internal reactions to things, our likes and dislikes and triggers and um, not really feeding into that and just watching your life naturally unfold and and what that does when you don't get in the way type, type, type of perspective. Um, so I really admire his, his work and what he's done. Um, and then, yeah, like, I think I just gave the example of Sarah Blakely and, and how she's led with feminine leadership's um, skill sets and what that looks like. So I just, I pull a lot of inspiration from different people, not necessarily business leaders. I think it's important to, I guess, pull inspiration from people of all different kinds of backgrounds, mm -hmm. successes, um, futures. And so yeah. <clears throat> I really like that, um, that mindset, especially about Michael Singer. And I guess trying not to let outside influences or maybe your own emotions cloud your future and your current decisions yeah regarding the future of tea drop what is the future look like for tea drop any new flavors or potential brand collaborations yeah so we've launched a whole range of new fun um i call it cafe at home kits so instead of having to go to your local cafe and and order you know the chai latte or the ube latte of your dreams or bubble tea our milk tea of your dreams, we're, we're enabling you to create that cafe style experience at home. Um, and so we launched recently at Target, a range of um, bubble tea latte kits, our ube latte or chai latte. We're expanding to a thousand more stores later this end of July, which will be really cool. Um, we're launching in Sprouts nationally. So wherever there's a Sprouts available, we're launching a new strawberry honey boba exclusively there and um, a strawberry latte, no, strawberry matcha latte kit. Um, and then we're also launching in 1500 Walmart stores at the end of the year. And um, an exclusive there will be our new vanilla bean latte. So a vanilla bean tea latte. Yeah. So there's oh a lot gosh. happening in this next <laughs> month. So we've been really busy cranking, um, but it, it'll be exciting for you all to see us in your local retailer. Oh my gosh. Wow. Just thousands of stores. And you guys are like, oh my gosh, I'm just so amazed by the work you're doing and how big your impact is across the whole country. And 
hopefully I'll cross the whole world one day. I love that Thank you. people are paying attention now to authentic tea and kind of looking back to its culture. And um, I feel like in the past, there hasn't, we haven't had that kind of control over our narrative in terms of how our culture and heritage is portrayed in the mainstream and media. And so seeing these companies kind of take back that narrative and take that, take uh, control of their story. Yeah. And it's so um, cool. it's amazing you get to see these more Asian inspired, um, you know, flavor profiles be represented yeah. in your, um, your main tea aisle, you know, like when we presented Ube to Target, they didn't even really know what Ube was or <laughs> we were showing them with online data, like, no, this is trending. And so they took a chance on the Ube latte. Um, we were the first to offer a bubble tea, shelf-stable bubble tea to Target um, and seeing, you know, us bring the chai latte there and some bring some new flavor uh, varieties to, to Walmart. It's just a really exciting time and to be able to, yeah, just represent our culture um, our way. It's, it's yeah, I, I mean, <clears throat> I can tell it means a lot to young kids that aren't used to seeing their culture or like certain flavor profiles come out, come to life outside of their home. And for me, like just seeing that you guys have a chocolate, chai latte flavor available is like, it means the world to me seriously, mm -hmm. because um, I want to be able to experience my culture and celebrate it outside of my home and outside of these private and personal spaces. Yeah. So I think, yeah, yeah. that's very cool. So your, yeah, your company is doing some amazing work in terms of like the personal and inspirational side of reaching out to customers. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Okay, so now we're gonna move on to the rapid fire questions around just five quick questions and right. you just tell me what's ever on the top of your head. All right, so describe yourself in three words. Hmm. Independent, rebellious, uh, <laughs> but uh, what is it like? Uh, that's not one word. Um, <laughs> like I persevere. Yeah, of course. Persist I think those are all qualities. Yeah, persistent. Persistent. Okay. Yeah, those are all qualities you need uh, to lead a successful business like you are. So I completely agree. Um, how do you like to start your day? If I can with a meditation. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's really essential in today's world of being busy constantly. Yeah. Name one food you can never give up. Ooh, tea? Can I? <laughs> or it has to be, it can't be. Okay. Okay. Are we like food and beverage category or like just food? Food I can't. Oh, well, let's, let's do just food. Oh, God. Um, cupcakes. Okay. Yeah. I love those too. What is your favorite tea flavor from Tea Drops? Our chai, our chai spice, that the, the very first tea I ever created. Um, which is paying homage to, you know, the chai that I used to enjoy with my, my up and mom, my grandma, my, my grandma, my dad's side. So I, that was the first tea drop we ever created. And it's still a tried and true of mine. Yeah. That's really special. And name something off of your bucket list. That I've done or I haven't done. Um, that you've done. Oh, that I've done. Um, Or actually, yeah, something that you haven't done. I feel like okay, there's more room. Get, um, hot air balloon, like going up on a hot air balloon. I'm going to do that for my birthday. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. Are you scared of heights? I am. So this will be interesting. But I there's like oh, wow. us where we live, there are always hot air balloons going up. And I'm almost like, oh, they look so magical, especially during the sunset hour, golden hour. And I'm like, it just looks so amazing to do. I want to try it. Yeah. Um, actually, this place where I'm from, it's Longview, Texas. And every year, I think we're like, we're known for our great balloon race, hot balloon race um, every summer. Oh we have goodness. thousands, hundreds of, yeah, balloon racers come to a field and it's oh. a great show to see in the night sky. It's beautiful. Oh, man, I didn't know they, they had races. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I didn't know you had yeah, maybe over it. That's the part that really scares me. I'm like, how do we land? How do we know where we're going to land? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe one day you can do a race after this I, part. I think I just want to. Oh, but something I did complete on, on my bucket list, I forgot, is like I did run a marathon. And I, this is like, oh my gosh, who like never thought I could barely run a mile. Like it would be painful. Oh my gosh. So like the fact I stuck to it, I trained and I ran that and then two um, half marathons. Like I, I proved something to myself. Like I could do it. Yeah. That's amazing. How long did it, did training take you? Oh, um, months. Like I did, I did a whole, um, um, just training program around it. And it was, it was very you know, you start with one mile, you build up three, five, eight. And by the, I think it was, it, yeah, it took like two and a half, three months to really train for it. Um, wow. But it was, yeah. And then the last time I trained, I only had run 18 to 20 miles. So I didn't even know how the last six were going to go. Um, oh my gosh. 6.2 actually. But yeah, the last point <laughs> It, you were like it's point two. How how hard can it be when you when you, after you run twenty six miles, the point two feels like eternity. I was like, oh my gosh, I bet. Do you think runners high is a real thing then? Because I can imagine how I long you're running. Do. I experienced it once, and I was like, oh my god, this is what people are saying. Like this is a runner's high. It was, it was like it was unlike anything. I I only experienced it once, but I like I understood what people why people get such a high from it. <laughs> That's amazing, Matt. That's a really inspirational story, actually, too. I, I think I, I feel a bit more courageous to hopefully run a marathon one day. I mean, because here's the thing. I kept having a fear about running. Like, it was, like, the thing when I went to the gym, I didn't like to do. I would only really want, I could only last one to two miles. And I was like, I have to get over this, like, narrative in my head that I hate running. Like, do I actually hate yeah. running? And this was a way to just overcome that. Yeah, I think that's a good mindset or approach to, you know, overcoming that. Mm -hmm. But those are all the questions for the rapid fire round. I do have one last question to end out the podcast. What advice would you give to young women entering the workforce, especially the world of entrepreneurship? Um, lead with curiosity, you know, try everything. Uh, don't, don't feel like you have to like I guess don't be fixated on how you think something should be be curious to try everything and by trying everything you will distill down to what you really enjoy doing what you're good at um, and my other piece of advice would just be patient with the process I think entrepreneurs were just built to want something done yesterday and sometimes you know good things take time and that's whether it's an idea a getting experience with something but just be patient with yourself. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to the last piece of advice, being patient, especially with starting a podcast or like having 
starting out with a new club in college, you just really want things to work out in the end. And you're so excited to show everyone what your company can do or kind of make such a big impact on the world. But uh, as you mentioned, things do take time. And of course, it takes persistence and determination and drive. Because if you really do believe in your business or your club or your new idea, you'll you'll doubt just naturally put in the time and effort it takes to, I guess, create something that's yours. Yeah. And it, t- it does take time. I think people underestimate that, especially like, you know, when you're younger, you just want it like, you're like, come on, let me out. Like, I want to do it. Yeah. So, but I tell myself that too. I'm like, just be patient, be patient, be patient. Yeah. That, yeah. That is a good, uh, something to tell yourself every day, mm-hmm. um, especially when things get hard. But those are all the questions I had for you for this podcast. I just wow. want to say once again, thank you so much for being here, taking the time to talk with me uh, personally. As I said, like, I yeah. love your company's mission. I love how sustainable it is too. I think that's one part that yeah. I don't really see in the food and beverage market. So thank you. Yeah, well, thanks for rescheduling too. I'm sorry about Friday, but uh, yeah, no worries. No worries. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we end anything, any last words you'd like to say before we close out the podcast? Um, I think like the only last thing I'll add is, you know, I think um, a lot can be said or accomplished with just perseverance and trying. Like, I think that's just half the battle that I sometimes I think we think we need a certain degree or a certain um, certain experience, um, the right connections, the working in the right industry in order to do something. And I would just say that, you know, a lot of that can just be learned in the process of doing, like, I probably would have started my company earlier if I didn't feel the pressure to, you know, have worked in the tea business or have, you know, a certain level of experience before trying it, trying entrepreneurship. Um, and so, you know, I think that you can get through a lot, like clearly, you know, all of you guys are super intelligent, um, come from, you know, going to great schools, but I also think that a lot can be said with just sticking to an idea day in and day out, even when you feel like you don't want to. Yeah. I think those are some great words to end up the podcast and kind of remind people to keep pursuing what they are really passionate about. So thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. This is your host, Gowri Rangu, and I'll see you in the next episode of It's a Woman's World.